The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to our national conversation about conversations about race, the weekly podcast where we don't know what's coming next year, but we're gearing up to discuss power, politics, privilege, pop culture, identity, and so much more under a racist presidency. You could say all that or just call this show about race. I'm Baratunde Thurston. Joining me from the Panoply Studios in New York City are my co-discussants, Tanner Colby, author of Some of My Best Friends Are Black. Hello, Tanner. Hello, Mr. Thurston. And also joining us, Raquel Cepeda, author of Bird of Paradise, How I Became Latina. What up, What's what up? up? Raquel. What up, what up, what up? All right, Anna Holmes is traveling this week. She's probably on her way back on a plane to New York right now, but we don't have high enough quality in plane Wi-Fi to get her here with us. So, Anna, we miss you. We'll see you in 2017. So, listen, 2016, we've seen the memes. We saw John Oliver blow it up. Everybody seems to be dying who we loved in a celebrity sense. The year has been rough. Probably not the worst year ever, has it been overstated by many, but rough nonetheless. So now it's time to gear up, center yourself, prepare for 2017 as best you can, because as we've mentioned before, there's a crazy person taking the reins of this country, and we know it's going to be a wild ride. With that in mind, what we thought we'd do for this episode is extend our usual recommendation segment to an entire show. It's called the About Race Survival Guide for 2017. Trademark. Can't use that again or else you have to pay us 10 cents. So with that in mind, here are some things that we want to bring to the table. Um, can we just start uh, in this area? I want to do it kind of like by media. Sure. Um, and books, you know, we have we tend to be a kind of, a, we all wrote some. Right. Uh, can we start? I've read a few. We've read a few. We've written a few. <laughs> if you haven't read more than you've written, then you're a terrible person. <laughs> right. Uh, but any any books out there that you think could help people into 2017 and, and through the year, Raquel or Tanner? Well, I have one that I'm just waiting for my mentor to finish because I'm dying to borrow it. And I think you read it. I think you recommended it before, Tanner. Hillbilly Elegy, is that? Sound familiar to you by JD Vance? Yes, I've read it. Yeah, you read it? Yeah. Oh wow, how was it? Um, uh, eh. uh, really? Don't don't tell me. Don't say that. So it's called Hillbilly Elegy. Don't kill my. Because I'm like stoked to read it. Why are you oh. still? Why are you stoked to read it? Because I've heard him on um, the few times I've been watching uh, the lamestream media. <laughs> He's been on it. And he just makes a lot of sense, and yeah. he kind of um, not normalizes, humanizes aside that sometimes people at least here on the East Coast or in coastal cities kind of don't do their homework to try to get to know or kind of write off as being like, I think like, you know, hillbillies. Yeah. Right. I'm going to spoil the book for you. In a negative way. Um, So I think he does a very good job at painting a picture of the world that he comes from that other people might not be that familiar with. Right. And if to, to just learn anecdotally about what life is like in those in, in the part of uh, Ohio and West Virginia or Ohio and Kentucky, sorry, that he comes from is interesting. When he veers into policy, it gets a lot murkier because he basically he doesn't talk any anything about the problems of economics and and how government intervention. He, he just talks about, you know, it's a, it's a personal responsibility, conservative, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. We need better culture. We need, but you know, like, you know, when you come to dealing, let's say like with the opioid epidemic that everyone's talking about in, in these kinds of states, mm-hmm. 
it's not just a, just about having personal fortitude to with, withstand, you know, opioid, opioid it's not abuse. Just say no. It's not just say no. It's about having an FDA that steps in and regulates painkiller, right. you know, distribution. And, and so he, he veers far right in, in terms of his prescriptions of how to, to deal with things. And it's just kind of, eh. So, so it's, so it's two books. It sounds That's like That's what I was going to ask yeah. you. It's like, it's, yeah. a, it's a memoir. Yeah. Which has, a, sounds like a lot of authenticity value. And then it's this prescriptive policy book, which is, sounds a lot weaker. Right. Do you have a book you want to throw into the into the pile? Oh, I have several Actually, books. Yeah. Oh, what's up? Y- Go ahead. Y'all, before we, before we move on to that, uh, and listeners, this is AC just busting in here. We did have um, Sarah Jones from the New Republic on the podcast, Tanner. I think you were on with her. Yeah. Yeah, so we, um, yeah. And she wrote a pretty, pretty harsh teardown in the New Republic about Hillbilly Elegy. So if you're going to read that book, I really, really also suggest... Reading Sarah's reading piece. her critique, yeah. yeah, and and also I think to read um, Arlie Hochschild's Russell's uh, Strangers in Their Own Land and the book you and I've been reading, White Trash, White Trash yeah. which are much more uh, less myopic, more uh, sociological, historical looks at the, the whole context right. of these dispossessed white people who are so angry that they voted for an orange uh, turd. Turd. Orange turd. How about, Orange a, turd. how about a memoir? How about something that's not policy driven, a memoir? That's what I was hoping Hillbilly Elegy was going to be. Well, it is. And he, his, his policy stuff is just sort of sprinkled in. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's not overwhelming, but he, he really doesn't address any of the larger, larger structural issues that, that mm. could cause the poverty in the region. I didn't love it. Okay. I'll say that. Mm. So the book I would throw in, you already mentioned White Trash. Uh, I read this book last year called, uh, this year, last year, depending on when you're listening, called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. I recommend that. It's not about race and politics, but it's kind of about epic movements of people around the world, great migrations, and it looks at our birth as a species <laughs> up until about now. So it's a, it's a grand history book, and it just helps situate our current blip of existence in the thousands of years of our species' existence. Uh, so I'd recommend that. I want to switch modes. Uh, Can I recommend one more? Yeah, of course. I read this like twice a year when I'm like, you know, feeling like, okay. I need, you know, when, when humanity has me down. Yeah. A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl is really nice. It's short. It's just a couple of train yeah. rides. It talks about, you know, logosphere, um, mythos, logos, the mm-hmm. rational, the spiritual, how they can both work in tandem. It's really, really, really nice, short. Say It's a sage. Yeah. What's it called? One more time. Man's search for meaning. Man's search for meaning. So what, what has gotten you guys to laugh that you might want to recommend? Independent of the media format, is it a show? Is it a book? Is it a YouTube video that you might want to throw to our listeners to, to help them find the, the light and the humor in this dark world? I love Atlanta. Yeah. I'd watch it. I'd binge watch it all over again. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my uh, list. Baskets with Zach Galifianakis. Okay, he's one of my favorite funny people on the planet. Yep. Yeah, I've I've been laughing that much. Um, <laughs> no, I I sad as Empire's made me laugh, <laughs> but probably not in <laughs> an intentional way. I'm kidding, <laughs> in an unintentional way. Yeah, accidental laughter. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, okay. I've been, I haven't been consuming that much. Uh... So I'll throw in insecure. With Issa Rae on uh, on HBO and HBO Go or HBO Now, if you don't have the whole cable package thing, I also, um, you know, I'm thinking about this election. In some ways, it's kind of like a 
it's a breakup. It's an emotional trauma for a lot of people. And I remember after my own divorce, I called a friend of mine and she was like, whenever I'm feeling down, I go to YouTube and I search for Grover Waiter. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I just typed them in and it's from Sesame Street. Grover, the character on Sesame Street. All the sketches where he's ever been a waiter are hilarious. And they, I guarantee anyone listening to this who's just like, I'm so mad. I'm Donald Trump. Just watch some Grover waiter. You will feel better after. Uh, that and comedians, uh, carpool karaoke with, uh, with James Corden. That's hysterical. I watched like five in a row, not planning it. I was just like, I'm going to check one of these out. And it led to another and another. And like 45 minutes later, I felt better as a person inside my heart area. You know, it made me feel really good. I watched it last week and saw you in the audience. Yeah. Michael Che's uh, stand-up um, show. Awesome. On... Michael Che Matters. Yeah, Michael Che Matters yeah, yeah. Uh, on Netflix. It was so funny. I didn't know how funny. I mean, yeah. I know he's funny, but I mean, it was just nice to see him. Like, he really arrested me yeah, out of for the, that out whole of the weekend time. update box. Yeah, I mean, he's great just, on Weekend Update. Absolutely. But it's. But I just thought it was great. Yes. I thought it was awesome. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, thank you for, for pushing a, a stand-up special, too. Did, Tanner, did you remember anything else that might have made you laugh? I just want to give you another chance here. My kids, but you know, you could come over everybody, and watch my kids. Everybody come come to Brooklyn, hang out. With no, but I mean, kids. and part part of it is true is is just that you know I I have everything that I consume for work, yeah. and then I I got I got a one year old and a three year old, so there's there's not much outside no. of that. In fact, we've been lucky to get to watch any TV after we spend an hour fighting to get our kid to go to bed. But what I've what I've been consuming most across all media, books, yeah. podcasts. Uh, journalism, everything is—you know—everyone was expecting, and everyone was like waiting for on November 9th, the Republican Party was going to have its uh, reckoning, its <laughs> mea culpa, its come to Jesus, yeah. and it's gonna—it was finally gonna have to resolve its internal contradictions. It was finally gonna have to reckon with the historical trends that had brought it mm-hmm. to Donald Trump, and that has not happened. Those those divisions are still there and they're suppressing them and pretending it doesn't, they don't exist. And a lot of the never Trump conservatives are saying, well, I like some of his cabinet picks and they're papering over everything to try and have this unified Republican government and, and get their policies done. So they've been given a four year reprieve from having to deal with their shit. But like you say about going through a divorce, you got to do your self inventory and, and say, okay, that person I was married to was a horrible, self-destructive person I shouldn't have been married to, but how the hell did I end up in that? Mm-hmm. And so I've been really sort of looking at, you know, we talked about liberals being smug and self-righteous a lot of the time, and that's definitely part of their problem. But basically, what is the left trying to sell? The left is trying to sell equal rights, clean water, and affordable health care, and they can't get people to buy it. So what is wrong with us, with our sales pitch, with our marketing department, mm-hmm. that we can't sell things, that, we can't sell water to someone in the desert, right? So I've been really, really going, you know, some people just want to like, you know, maybe, you know, go into a cocoon of doing this. I've been going the other way. I've been just downloading tons of conservative podcasts, reading a lot of conservative critiques of liberalism mm-hmm. and and doing more to understand why there's fierce opposition to liberalism, what people might not, uh, uh, you know, because basically what you have is there's a lot of conservative ideas that I think are good and right and and worth considering. The, 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 they just married them to all these deal breakers like 
deny climate change denial and white supremacy and misogyny. It's right. like, I can't be down with any of that. But, you know, holding to tradition versus, you know, massing, massive sweeping technocratic change from the top. You know, I can see there's room for that debate, mm-hmm. but we can't have that debate because we can't engage with conservatism in a constructive way because of all these deal breakers that it's married to. And we have deal breakers too. And I'm I'm wondering more and more like like we, we talked about on the show, but what if we're wrong? Mm-hmm. So I want to spend, really look at, you know, a lot of liberal orthodox and liberal thing and say, I will, but what if we're wrong? So is there anything you could recommend out of all that's funny, out of all well, the conservative? Or, or right, one or book, that? this book is actually like quite mordantly funny in, 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 in a lot of ways. I recommended it a few weeks ago, and I've been going back and looking at parts of it. It's called Reflections on the Revolution in Europe by Christopher Caldwell. And it's a, it is a non-hysterical conservative look at immigration, primarily Muslim immigration in Europe. Mm. And it, it challenges a lot of what liberals think about. And here's, here's an interesting point that I'd never thought of, and it just... It, it, it flipped the way I think about multiculturalism and diversity, which is that, you know, white people and, and, you know, Europe have put this white male homogenous power structure in place, right? So then the retaliation to that is say, okay, well, diversity is better. That, that's bad. So diversity and multiculturalism are good. And so therefore they're the answer. And what he points out, and I never thought about it this way, is all of these mass migrations all over the world, whether people are you know, fleeing political persecution mm-hmm. or getting on boats to go somewhere for more opportunity or being forced onto boats to, to go somewhere else. All the movement of different religions and different ethnic groups around the world, nobody ever got on a boat because diversity is good, right? People got on a boat because of political persecution or because, or because their labor was being exploited. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, as we, you were reading in Right Trash, we had this idea of, oh, people came to America to have religious freedom. no. A lot of the white people who came here were chattel. They were indentured servants. They weren't slaves, but they were brought over here, thrown into the they swamp seen, to labor. Yeah, they were seen as waste people. Right. They were waste people. Yeah. So so we have these multi-sectarian, multi-religious, multi-ethnic, multi-racial societies, and he describes them as a fait accompli in search of a justification. Hmm. So because we, we say, oh, diversity and multiculturalism are good. Are they, right. or are we retroactively justifying the fact that we've reshuffled the globe, that colonialism and capitalism reshuffled the globe in ways that, uh, you All know? Right, so tune in to our new podcast, Global Civil War, right? Starring <laughs> Tanner Colby, but 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 you know he and he makes the point that you know, and we talked about it in the Bubble podcast. What if? provincialism and tribalism are man's natural state. Mm -hmm. And what if by saying, oh, diverse multiracial societies are good. I think we have to find a way to make diverse multiracial societies work because we have them. But to say that they are inherently better and that if you don't like them, you are an ignorant provincial person, I don't know. What's the name of this book? Uh, Reflections on the Revolutions in Europe. Reflections on the Revolutions in Europe. All right. And if you want to read about um, white indentured servitude, aka maybe slavery, I would read Lost German Slave Girl by Lost John, German. the Lost German Slave Girl. It's fascinating. It's written by an Australian uh, lawyer and professor. I think his name is John Bailey. It's an excellent, excellent book. Yeah. It's an ex. Yes. Awesome. Uh, and, and coming back briefly to the, the funny department on Netflix, which is pretty accessible. If you have six bucks a month or a friend, uh, <laughs> Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You. And this is a documentary about Norman Lear's life. He is an epic television producer, brought us Maude, All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Good Times, Sanford and Son, uh, and more. 
And I had a chance to interview him the day after the election in a wide-ranging, hour-long discussion centered around this film. So it is, it's funny. It's also, you know, given where we are, it looks at his life. He grew up a, a Jewish boy in the United States during a time of anti-Semitic radio programs in World War II, uh, which he fought in. And so, yeah, he's a comedian, he's a TV producer, he's a, a veteran and, uh, and a Jewish guy. And his life is, is uplifting and humbling at the same time. So I highly recommend another, just another version of you, uh, the Norman Lear story uh, on Netflix. All right. It's so, on my queue. Good. But I felt like it wasn't going to be funny. So I was like, let me just get my, prepare myself to, you know, it's, cry it, to this. It's, well, it's funny in part because it includes so many clips. Okay. And you're just like, whoa, this dude created all this. I mean, co-created. No one person creates all this stuff. But the fact that he was even involved in everything that he was and that he, across a full generation or two, made so many shows. And he's still working. He's 94 years old and he's working on a new show right now. Uh, so that's, that's impressive for the, for the ageists out there. Uh, don't write off the, uh, the 90-something-year-olds. They, they can still kill it. Raquel. True that. Binaries. We know you hate them. <laughs> Is there anything you haven't mentioned yet that helps fill in the space between the edges of the spectrum in terms of media, uh, shows, artwork that you think people should be uh, dipping their minds into? Well, it's not funny. That's all right. We don't, not everything has to be funny. I think we're off of the funny category, just I've back re- to the general recommendation. And I mean, I saw it on your list, but it was on my list too. Queen, right. Sugar. <laughs> Queen Sugar. Queen <laughs> Sugar. I freaking love Queen Sugar. Why it was do you very Because it? it was very in the middle. It's very, yeah. you know, you have, for example, a woman who's, uh, you know, down with a you know, journalist writes about social justice, yep. falling in love. And let, with, me, uh, let me inject for our listeners, Queen Sugar is a television series on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, created by Ava DuVernay, director of Selma, and the Netflix documentary 13th, uh, about the 13th Amendment and mass incarceration. Continue. Which I would also recommend, right? Yeah. The 13th. But anyway, Ava did a great job empowering other female, um, black female f- uh, filmmakers as well to go in and, and direct each one, you know, each episode. Mm. And I thought that was amazing and empowering and it's just uplifting. And um, I like the story again because it's all, it all exists in the gray area. Yeah. You know, I love it from the very beginning. Charlie's husband, did he rape that woman? Is she, because she's a prostitute? Is it called, you know, yeah. it, was it a rape? Was it, it was you just know, I'm gonna, so. I'm going to go out on a limb. It's not a limb at all. I'm going to step mildly out of the door frame that I know is stable with you on this and say, this is our new American crime. I would say maybe, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay, American Crime season one mm-hmm. was everything. Yeah. And I think right after that, I would say Queen Sugar. There you go. Okay. I I might, I think I'm on the same ranking as you. And, and I love Queen Sugar for some of the reasons you said to set up the world a bit. It takes place uh, near New Orleans as a black family that owns a farm. There are three children uh, of the father. One is an activist journalist named Nova who lives in the area. One is a businesswoman CEO type who manages her basketball star husband's career with a business degree and fancy clothes and a private driver. And the other is a recently non-incarcerated man named Ralph Angel who's getting back on his feet. And everybody's struggling with something. Nobody's purely good. Nobody's purely bad, which is the mark I of a great it. story. I love They're it. They're all capable of all the things. So that's a great show about Spectrum too, not just racially, but sort of morally. Um, I cannot recommend Queen Sugar enough. Now, Thank you. Were you expecting for 
Nova to fall in love. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not <laughs> we're not doing this. We're not. No, no, no why can't we do it? it? No spoilers. It's it's too okay, new of a show. Is it? It is. It's too new like, of a show. It's not it's not so popular that every it's not like talking about Lord of the Rings or something. We gotta be really <laughs> or Game of Thrones even. We okay. gotta be real careful. Guys, you're listening to us because you largely trust us. Get into the Queen Sugar World. And if it's we decide awesome. to have a spoiler episode like we did about Atlanta. We can do that. Okay, okay. I will not. I will not I've pop the forbi- bubble I've been, before I've been people, silenced. you know, get into the to the festival. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's it's amazing. Have you yeah. seen it? No, I've not. I don't. I don't have cable. Is uh, it? Can you, can you stream it anywhere? I. I uh, you can. There's. I can you stream it legally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. say it hesitatingly <laughs> because of law right. breaking. I said it just because there's so many different ways to get TV programs. Right. But I was thinking about what this one is. I purchased it off of iTunes. Ah. So that doesn't require a cable subscription. Right. It's an it's a non-sustainable way to watch a bunch of shows. Right. But if you really care about a particular show, right. you can get it there. I'm also pretty sure that you can get it through Amazon Prime because you can attach certain cable networks to your Amazon uh. Prime account and stream it there. That's how I was watching Power, which is a star show. Right. I don't have stars, but because of Prime, I was able to add stars to like the the company I buy digital books from. I also buy TV shows from. Right, uh, isn't technology amazing? It is. It is pretty. Tomorrow, amazing. I'm getting a states. mortar and pestle, <laughs> and uh, some black entertainment television. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's shift to an, another category, and then we can do a catch-all at the end if I've missed something. Um, as much as everybody might want to gear up for battle, self-care. I think Tanner, you are a proponent of putting this in. Anything you come across that helps you uh, thrive, survive, get to know yourself, be a better person. It's not about necessarily outwardly facing in the world and political analysis it's something different any kind of media projects activities that you recommend to our people in the self-care department not really i i i don't <laughs> man tanner I have you a are list. i have a list no because right no no jokes no tanner's not been laughing no. not been taking care of himself that's what i'm here you know but it, it you know it's weird this whole like self-care thing that comes up mainly you know you hear it all all the time on like another round and and it Spaces of people of color and, you know, women talking about self-care. Oh, I forgot you're white. I'm a white Fine. guy. Yeah. Like, okay. never mind. honestly, Markel, do you shit have is any- sweet for <laughs> him. Honestly, no, shit it, is it, sweet. It, it, no, but it, it's like this, it, and, and I said this once on, on, I think, a Melissa Harris Perry show, yeah. which is that, like, for me engaging in, in you know, this kind of thing, I, I will say this, Trump's election has, has, has hit me, like, personally because it 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 it, it's a rupture in in, your world in 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 the in my relationship with the country but by and large you know uh you know court jefferson a lot of you know people write about the fatigue of 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 dealing with this on a professional level Mm -hmm. and that you have need you need self-care you need a refuge from it for me i'm all in for me it's 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 an intellectual challenge it's 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 what i get up for in the morning so i don't need like any kind of refuge from it no, and and, My, and, and if and, I could put this in in your court, if this is tell me this is an accurate description, but if the first several decades of your life was a refuge, in terms of before you actually started caring about this, you had a couple of decades where this wasn't your beat, and so you're not exhausted because you haven't been working in it as long either. Well, I haven't been working at it as long, and also I recognize, or for me anyway, maybe mm-hmm. different for someone else, if you're a white person engaging in this stuff. You realize looking back how much anxiety you were walking around with all the time because you didn't understand mm. what was happening. You were just sort of generally afraid of dealing with this third rail. You would, wouldn't even go to all black spaces or you wouldn't even, you know, 
black neighborhoods are just blank spaces on the map as right. far as or, or are for most white people. And so to live that way, not engaging with it, you have a very constant subconscious feeling of anxiety, guilt, whatever, you, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it manifests in different ways, which is the fear that is exploited by people like Donald Trump to be a white person who then fully engages in race, learns all about it, deals with it, leaves the anxiety behind such that I can look at what Donald Trump is doing, almost like Neo looking at the ones and the zeros and say, oh, that's what it's doing, that, that's how it, it's reassuring. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me to engage in this is to move away from anx- the anxiety and other problems that come with ignorance. I think you're a rare person. Uh, I would also say there's layers to the matrix. Yes. Um, And so whatever matrix you're seeing now, there is more matrix behind that. Right. The more matrices of the matrix encounter. Uh, Raquel. I have a list because I haven't been able to take off decades from being a woman or of color. Hit us with some of the most important items from your list. For me, for me, like this year was very important to pop. I have a very very diverse if you have to we have to use that word set of people that i acquaint with mm-hmm. but i've noticed that i don't i wasn't what i was trying i'm trying to fill what i what's missing for me so i can learn i want to learn about human beings whether yeah. i what i like what i don't like i don't care so i became very friendly with an old man who's a vietnam vet who sits in front of my stoop and we go for walks at three o'clock in the morning in my neighborhood mm-hmm. and we just talk about race. This is totally normal, listeners. This is totally normal. This is, I mean, I think, and I, and I, and I hate to say, I hate to say, we changed that recently. Yeah. But I hate to say adopt because I think it's condescending mm-hmm. and I feel like, okay, first, when I first met him, I was like, okay, he'd be a good character for my book. Right. You know, I'm going to start following him. He's cool. You know, he's mm. a white guy living on the east of Broadway. But then I got more out of it than him. I got a great story, but I'm, you know, I can I can talk to him about things that I can't talk to other, with other people. Yeah, he's not a you know a, a snarky liberal snark. You know, he's not a Republican. He's mm-hmm. the kind of independent. He kind of judges people for who they are. He's had a really crazy life, and I find myself not only learning about humanity about other people, but really feeling not always optimistic, but feeling like you know what we have to all come to the seat. We ha- all have to make that effort to sit down with one another, yeah. pop the bubble and get to know somebody, really get to know one person, if just one person outside of your circle. So are you inviting people to Inwood to come hang out with you and your... Actually had, friend? and then, yeah, I actually had recently a yeah. uh, get together where, I mean, it was just everybody you could think of from people on Hillary's camp to, you know, Senator friends that we, you and I have in common mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, my friends' friends brought friends and friends. Uh, and, you know, I even met and talked to a white woman who who I didn't know lived in my neighborhood and said that, you know, she f- was feeling like shit because her family voted for Trump yeah. and she wasn't grow up that way. So it was a nice way to exchange, to make face to face contact, to recommit, to renew ourselves yeah. and to make sure that we found time to laugh, dance and exorcise all this stuff that we don't have the privilege of just laying down or not paying attention to in our lives. Yeah. We have to, it's around us. So, um, and then out of that, I also think, that, you know, I decided, especially after I was, I, I couldn't, I, I had, it was like a media blackout for me all week because I was busy doing something. And when I, I heard about some kind of violence in the mall, when I Googled it, I saw all these fake news stories about black Americans, black people start violence at malls, black people do this. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I can't, I can't like ascribe to this fake news bullshit. And this is like, and right now that line is becoming blurry. 
even with what we consider mainstream. So I'm doing three weeks on social media, one week off. Three weeks on, one week off. Three weeks on, no matter what's happening. It's like high-intensity interval training. I have to do that because you have to. And speaking of high-intensity interval training, I was somebody tweeted me this morning, like, what do I do? What should we do? And I said, not only women of color, but white women as well who are woke, we need to take self-defense classes. We're about to enter a space for the next at least four years where you're going to have to learn how to square the F up because you may be groped or you may be harassed. And I think that it's going to be heightened. So I feel like us as women, number one, my dream is for women of color and white women to coalesce, feminists to coalesce into a movement, to listen to one another and to, and to, um, and to get, to get, you know, to get right physically, mentally, because you're going to have to square up at some point. I would have had I been there when my daughter got spat on. I would have. So, so these are these two recommendations. They're not books you guys can buy or podcasts you can subscribe to, but they are steps you can take. I, and yeah, I, you know, I heard in in my Midwestern travels a, a friend of my sister's who's white. Who, you know, everybody I think knows someone at least or has read a credible account of someone who's had a negative encounter with a person emboldened by Trump's election, and they use that as their excuse to call you an epithet, to block your pathway on the subway platform. In her case, she was leaving a bar with another woman friend, and these guys in their car drove up, blocked their path, got out of their cars, and were really threatening violence. And fortunately, nothing happened. Um, But we were talking, and like, what would you do in that case? Do you have any self-defense training? Do you have mace? Like, do you have your phone recording? It doesn't always have to, you don't always have to meet violence with more violence, to a earlier point. But you got to meet it with something. Um, and do you are you equipped with the tools to handle certain types of situations? Uh, for me, I bought a fire extinguisher for my apartment because I'm like, hey, basics. That's a good idea. What are the, do I, can I even, forget fighting Trump, can I fight fire? No, I, I couldn't. And so there's some, you know, it's actually been very mentally healthy for me to just think about not just like the extreme high level political ramifications of the, but just like, oh, am I just prepared for everyday bullshit disasters? <laughs> You know, it, how's my money? What are my password situation? Like, could I recover? Am I resilient enough in my personal effects and my food, clothing, shelter scenario? Uh, do I know who my people are if something goes down? You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've been wondering because I, I subscribe to I, the National Review newsletter yeah. just as part of my bubble bursting, mm-hmm. you know, look at the opposite point of view thing. I've, I've subscribed for a couple of years now. And there's all of these, like, Alex Jones apocalyptic survival gear <laughs> yes. advertisements that come with Nas- National Review is supposed to be like the the you know, we're the elite hybrid no but all their advertising is like the same fever swamp survivalist so I'm wondering to your point about fire extinguishers will we now see that from the left oh I I am 100 percent certain and there are things that I will talk to you about offline um, in that area Here, here's you'll see a great flip uh, I expect predict and and will join in some sense toward things that were previously conservative, right? Be given the, who owns the federal government now. Right. A lot of states' rights talk coming from the left. Yeah. We're talk, talking about local politics. We're going to have our own tea party. You can talk about, what, what is the stance on firearms? Right? Baritone, what is you this? are welcome in my bunker when the apocalypse <laughs> what comes. Is, what I just is, want you to know. How about, what is, what's up with gold? What's that? Do you have water purification systems? <laughs> <laughs> I've been and, thinking about that a lot, water some, purification. And some of that is, is political. <laughs> some of it's climate change. I mean, there are things that, we know weather's getting more volatile. We know water shortages are increasing. This is longer term stuff in many ways. Um, Hurricane Sandy taught a lot of New Yorkers about how prepared you are to be without power for X number of days. 
So it doesn't all have to be off the deep end uh, of the sanity spectrum. But yeah, you, I think you'll see a lot of liberal conspiracy-esque behavior when it comes to investment strategies and you know doomsday prepping from right. the left, basically. Right. It, it's going to become an increasingly thing. But being prepared is not a bad thing. Now, yeah, taking that to a whole other place, yeah. I was, you know, Glow Maven, you know, Latham Thomas. Yes. Okay. So her and I were talking about this, like, what is the simplest thing you could do? Mm-hmm. Simple, 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 simple. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed if you can't get your doomsday kit pre- right. prepped by, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. She says, and I agree, and I do the same thing. She doesn't step out of her bed without setting an intention. Mm. She's going to be that beacon. She's going to be that light. She's going to be, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. You know what I mean? And I think that now it's more than just like a cool little Hallmark card saying. I think you kind of got to like be about it. It, You do. And and, and to close out, I think the this increasingly non-traditional section of recommendations. <laughs> but they, they, Why is they, it non-traditional? Because we, we've set out saying we're going to recommend books and movies and stuff for you to... And now we're on the fire extinction. Yeah, but if you're you miserable and you're anxious, who, who the... Who cares about Norman Lear when you're anxious and like... No, I'm, I'm just saying we told our listeners we were going to recommend <laughs> media and now we're recommending water purification kits and fire extinguishers <laughs> and self-defense <laughs> classes. That's like a different point than where we started at. So I'm just... I'm okay. acknowledging that we may have deviated from the path we announced, but we're still... Uh, on the same journey uh, that that we intended. Um, Going outside is good. (laughs) Uh, Nature, you know, access to nature, like feet on the ground, water, whatever your spiritual practice is, like, you know, commit to it. Um, Is there any other set of media that you think people should be downloading, listening to, reading, regardless of whether it's funny or a book or is in a self-care department? I just want to make sure that if you came in here wanting to share something, that we give you a chance to share it. This is kind of self-care and media, okay. I guess. I don't. Um, what to do? Like there are a few really good ar- articles yeah. about what to do when you when you witness harassment. Mm. And I'm gonna again, we're gonna post them. But one comes from the New York Times, and um, no, another one comes from deescalationintervention.weebly.com. And there's a, there's an, a really nice uh, uh, a page that aggregates all the articles and kind of you know the tutorials on how to get involved. You yeah. know without escalating a situation but yeah. how to really become part of your community yeah and take care of one another beyond the whole safety pin thing great tanner i've been actually listening to a lot of uh, republican and right-leaning podcasts I'm, i tried to find some that weren't like mark levin rush limbaugh fever swamp yeah. i actually emailed several <laughs> of my people to even ac like what are what are the sane conservative podcasts of like thoughtful criticism and debate and the winners are and the winners are horrible. Um, so, so, so AC recommended the Ricochet, uh, and then there's the Federalist Radio Hour. The Federalist is sort of like this new, they claim to be like sort of the new National Review, more okay. like, you know, uh, stridently Republican. They were very never Trump, but now they're the never Trumpers who are going to be like, maybe, maybe Trump. Maybe Trump. <laughs> yeah. He gave us some cabinet appointments we like, so yeah. maybe he's not an incompetent fascist. Yeah. Um, and then CNN party people is their sort of attempt at, and it's, it's so much. I'm 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 going to listen to these for the next four years. I will. Okay. But they're painful, mm. and the the extent to their ability to deal with race is non-existent. Race exists as uh, liberals trying to divide us, and we need better outreach. We need better messaging. That's it. Yeah. And granted, I've only been listening, you know, for like a month or so. That's like, a month longer than most who are listening to us right now. But there's occasionally some intelligent guests that come on and say some intelligent things, but like the level of 
I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it of, of disassociation from reality. Yeah. Our bubble is that we missed a hundred thousand people in Wisconsin and Michigan. Like, I don't think any of us underestimated. We saw all the rallies. We saw the Trump voters. Mm-hmm. There were just a hundred thousand more of them than we thought they were. But the Republican commentariat disconnect with people of color and women. And it's, it's really amazing, yeah. especially because you read, you can read op-eds, but op-eds are sort of filtered and impersonal. When you hear the audio. When you, and, and even talking heads on CNN, because that, but as we know, listeners, uh, podcasting is a very warm medium. It's very <laughs> intimate. It's very familiar. And so you feel as you were with the person as they are discussing. And so I'm being myself with you right now, and I don't know shit. Like, that's, that's yeah. what it, and it's like, wow. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening to it to see how they reckon with Trump versus how sane liberals versus left-wing hysteria deals with Trump. So I want to know how all three of those groups deal with Trump. So I've, I've definitely made that a part of my listening habit. Thank what, you. What, yeah. what liberal hysteria podcast have you been listening to? I've mostly been listening to mainstream liberal hysteria, like the, the political gab fest on Slate. I haven't been listening to any like fringe left stuff, but I, I plan to more. That takes effort. Thank you. And I think it's important to know yeah, you're opposition. doing that. Taking one for the team. You really are. You're putting yourself, you know, it's like it's like going undercover, right? Uh, you're you're masking yourself. Podcasts let you do that. The internet lets you do that. Uh, I will, I have some. Uh, I think these are just fun recommendations. Uh, there's a great <laughs> Netflix series called The OA. I'm just in it. I love it. I think people should watch it. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's just dope. Sense Eight. Uh, Sense, and then the number eight is also another Netflix special. I do not work for Netflix, nor do I get a cut. Right. They just happen to be releasing a lot of dope content lately. And uh, and then in terms of, you know, some of that bridge crossing, the political podcast Off Message, I found to be quite useful and interesting during the campaign. It's weekly. It's about an hour. It's a one-on-one conversation with some uh, generally high-level political person. They... uh, they spoke with who's the guy running for DNC chair right now from uh, Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison they had a really interesting and good conversation with him. There's just some fascinating folks on there and it's it's less filtered because it's just one on one and they start to feel comfortable with each other. And it's less performative than than a TV space might be. Um, and then an artist. This is this is Sarah Jones. I think I've promoted her before. Not the New Republic Sarah Jones that we had on the show, but Sarah Jones online dot com. She's at Joan Sarah, J-O-N. E-S-A-R-A-H. She does this show with multiple characters and uh, she's launching a podcast next year where her characters talk to real guests and, and interesting people. I'm one of those guests, so there's a mild plug for that, but only because the experience was so dope, I think it's going to change how we think about performance art and media uh, and being empathetic to multiple types of characters. She plays an old Jewish woman. She plays a young black man. She plays uh, a college girl from Berkeley who's white and like 10 other people. And uh, I think in this age of trying to understand and connect with and empathize, she is the type of artist that represents that work in a, in a space that isn't just a book or a podcast. It's kind of a, it's also on, on the stage. Uh, other than that, we'll throw many more links in uh, our, our big web up, resource. Big up and love taps to Sarah. She's an old friend. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's, she is a great Yes, an person, amazing a great performer. Artist, a great performer. Um, and there's a lot of stuff you're going to hear from us. Obviously, we're not going away. Uh, all the practical things you can do on the ground to oppose Trump and mailing lists you can subscribe to, we'll continually throw those out uh, as well. How about music? Anybody listening to music? How about... 
I got. I've lately had had the the chance to rap album on loop just to feel that. Sorry, the chance the rapper. Oh yeah, the album on on loop. I haven't listened to His that SNL yet. SNL performance was really beautiful. How do we like SNL now? I, I don't Post- yeah. watch the don't whole watch show, but I saw right. his I w- performance. <laughs> I watch um, anytime Alec Baldwin is on. I try to catch it. I, it's oh, hard okay. for me to watch Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump because I know the best Trump person, who is a guy named Anthony Atamanik. Um, oh. And he did the Trump versus Bernie live show. So he and this guy named James Adomian did a beautiful show during the uh, right up until election day, where mm. they had the, they said that we had the debate that the country deserved between these two guys, and they channeled them well. And uh, Anthony still does his Trump work. You can find him on Twitter if you can figure out how to spell his name. We'll we'll throw it in here. Just look for Trump versus Bernie, and you'll find his character there. And I'm going to give uh, give our producer AC a chance to to jump in. So AC, did you have anything you want to add? Yeah, so there are a few podcasts I've like, you know, working in this uh industry now for about a little over a year. I yeah, I've been listening to a lot lot more. Um I just listened to the Axe Files which uh is David Axelrod's podcast mm. and he has a like a really long like interesting series of conversations with very very smart people if you want to talk politics. There's if you want to learn to be a better writer and I think more people need to be doing more writing. I think it's the way we're going to really help save ourselves and actually have a productive conversation about conversations about race. You should also be listening to the long form podcast. I've heard. That. Okay. Oh, it's that, that really great. Podcast. Yeah. They have on writers from the New Yorker, from New York magazine, from other places that don't have anything to do with New York. Um, <laughs> you sure about but that? But it's really just a wonderful way to hear people who write extremely well, reflect on craft. And yeah. um, I need to be doing more of that in my life. I think it helps center me i think it helps make me less despondent about the world when i can get thoughts out actually um after having latoya peterson on the podcast a little while ago i realized to my great shame that i had never read any octavia butler Mm. so i just finished the xenogenesis trilogy and it is wonderful yes um it's just i love octavia butler so much and like it's um it's deep it's a little depressing and it leaves you with a lot of questions about humanity in and of itself, but it's just a great series of books that you want to check out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those are all winners. Uh, and I remembered one last thing. Uh, it's something that I've talked before we started recording with y'all about, but I had uh, a very adventurous set of holiday times, including a flight that had to emergency land because the crew ran out of oxygen. Uh, no one was hurt. Uh, amazing things happened. Community was formed. Celebrities were spotted. And uh, I chronicled all of this in a series of tweets that you can find at bit.ly slash Tardatunde, T-A-R-D-I-T-U-N-D-E. We'll throw it in the online pack too if you're clicking around. But it was, for me, a, a way to face a very mild version of difficulty with less than hate and annoyance and ignorance and idiocy and just say like, hey, we're going to be here all day. Let's make friends. Let's grab some bourbon, which worked for me. Doesn't always work for all people. And it was fun. And so the, you know, the, the unpredictable things that can happen just in a normal day and the holiday flying experience can be so frustrating. This was a version of not that. So thanks to everybody who's involved in making that day better than it could have been. And uh, thank you all for joining us in this recommendation episode, Tanner and Raquel. It thank was, you, a, it, was a, it was my honor and privilege. Yay. Well, that is all for today. 
uh, listeners. Our producer is AC Valdez, as always. Our research assistant and tech maven is Cody Carvel. Thanks also to Alana Milner, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. As our final recommendation today, you can check out Panoply's entire roster of delightful podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. You can find links to the things we've discussed, and it's going to be a link farm uh, at our website, showaboutrace.com. We still have that phone number, so give us a call. 612-888-RACE. That's 612-888-RACE. And if you'd like, our inbox is still open, showaboutrace at gmail.com. Attach a voice memo, and we might play it on a B-side. Of course, you can follow along with the conversation or join it yourself on Facebook or Twitter at Show About Race. In the meantime, thank you for joining our national conversation about conversations about race. On behalf of Tanner and Raquel, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and we'll be back with you in 2017.